Hello, Molo, Sawona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with the purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris, and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China, and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody today? Are we good? Are we strong? Special greeting to Jeff, our brother from Every Nation in Pretoria. And uh, yeah, when you go back to Pretoria, do not make everybody jealous that you got to see the ocean and stand on the sand and you came to visit the promised land. But please send our, our love and our regards to everybody in um, Pretoria. Cool. Well, guys, we are nearly at the end of our discipleship series. This is the second to last installment. Wayne will wrap it all up next week. But today we are going to be looking at um, the title or the, the, the concept, the theme of house to house, discipleship house to house. And I thought a great way for me to start would be to tell you what you would experience if you were when you come to visit me in my house. So in our house, when you arrive at the gate, you will more than likely be greeted by our three four-legged friends who will be waiting to see you at the door. Uh, we have our very big Rottweiler, Rocky. He's big, he's intimidating, he's very dark, and he is just, but he's just got such a lovely nature, and he really is the sweetest, sweetest pup ever. Um, then we have our medium-sized brown, sandy brown, um, little dingo. I don't even know what breed we would call her. We just call her dingo because she looks like a dingo and she is full of life, full of energy. She's the one who's going to jump up on you and wag her tail and try and lick you and just wants to like crawl onto your lap. But she is, she is a great, beautiful, awesome little sandy dingo dog. And then we have our small little poodle who is cream or white depending on when last we bathed her and uh, she um, she is the cheekiest of them all to be honest she is the one who has the yap on her she thinks she owns everything including us the humans but that's how you would be greeted and sometimes when we see our three our big Rottweiler, our medium-sized brown dog, and then our little white poodle, we look at them at the gate and we say, wow, we have dogs that are representative of the demographics of our nation, without a doubt. And, um, and as you come on into the property, you will probably notice that there are many towels hanging over balustrades, over, um, over chairs. Sometimes they are on the floor. And I know it's not very attractive, but we have a household full of teenagers who are constantly coming to swim in our pool or coming from the beach. So damp towels are just part of the look that we go for in our home. Not that we actually want it that way, but it's just the way it is. And as you enter our home, you'll notice that it's very, um, it's very simple. It's, uh, we've got to have a bit of a minimal look if we've tidied the house. It looks quite minimal and simple. Um, and, uh, and we like to keep things simple. I do love plants, so there's greenery dotted around. And as you make your way into the kitchen, you'll notice we do not have a scullery yet. So, um, even though it might be tidy when you arrive, by the time you leave, there will probably be dishes and cutlery and crockery all stacked out on the countertops. And, um, and that's our home space. You know, we, we're very comfortable with people coming into our home. We're very comfortable with people um, being relaxed and helping themselves and, and just being 
you know, you know, themselves in our space. You can be so relaxed that you are more than welcome to wash the dishes as well if you come to visit. There, there are things about our home that I absolutely adore. There are things about our home that we are saving up to attend to. Things like squeaking gates and leaking taps and um, stains on couches that we put throws over to hide them. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's our home. It's our space. It represents us as a family. It's our place where, where we're making memories with our family and our friends and people who come on in. And it's just refre- reflective of who we are. And I'm sure if we went around this room today, every single one of us would we be able to share things about our home, our home spaces. And I think there'll be many things that we would, we would be like, yes, our place is exactly the same as that. Or, oh my gosh, do you do things that way? That's so weird. Or there would be similar things. There would be different things. There would be things that we're not in agreement to. There would be things that we cringe at, like... What? You leave wet towels hanging over the railings? That's terrible. How could you ever have a home like that? (laughs) Dogs on the couch, yes. Only one dog, the cheeky one. (laughs) Um, But I want to ask a question. In the midst of everything that is similar, everything that is different, things that we, um, we, we cringe at, things that we are in agreement with in our different homes, if we had to talk about our homes, our personal space, would there be one thing that unified us? Would there be one thing that across the board you would find in every single one of our homes? Would there be something that no matter whether you came into my home or into Langer's home or into the Paul's home, if we went into anybody's home, would we find this one thing? Would we find love? Love is the thing that helps us to look past our differences. It's the thing that helps us to overcome our insecurities. It's the thing that helps us to push past things that are awkward. If there's love in our homes, there's a beautiful space and beautiful relationship that can take place. Jesus said that the second greatest commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. Said the second greatest commandment out of all the commands, the second greatest one is to love your neighbor as yourself. Do our homes reflect this command? Do our homes reflect this heart attitude of loving our neighbor as ourself? Now think about it for a moment. How good would the world be if every single human, or even just every single Christian, loved their neighbor as themselves? What kind of world would we see? We would see a world that was far more accepting of each other, far more patient with each other, a world that was inclusive, a world that was just, you know, allowing the the goodness of the person to supersede the, the difficulties around that person. If every single household reflected this love of loving one's neighbor as oneself, Don't you think the world would be a much better place? Anybody in agreement that love is the principal thing? It is, isn't it? That's the kingdom, guys. The kingdom is where love triumphs over all. And if we just break it down simplistically, if we're happy, we want people to be around to celebrate with us, don't we? We don't want to to be on our own all happy and not have someone to celebrate with. When we're sad, it's so good to be comforted. If we're lonely, it's nice to have company. If we're grieving, somebody who has an understanding heart is really welcomed in our homes. If we're angry, it's good to have space to offload. If we're overwhelmed, having people around who just usher in peace, isn't that so good? Have you ever been in that space where you're just frazzled, you're overwhelmed, and someone just ushers in peace into your world? That's loving, that's receiving love from other people. What about when, people, when we're hiding or we're isolating? Don't you feel valued when you're sought out? That's love in action. And when you need a meal and someone brings some food around, or if you need a place to crash and you're offered a couch or a bed, isn't it such a relief? 
What would the world look like if we truly did love our neighbor as ourselves? It would look beautiful. And I must just warn you that today, as we go through this next part in our discipleship series, um, House to House, I am going to say things that are going to challenge your comfort zone. All right? I'm, I'm forewarning you because when you're forewarned, you are forearmed. I'm going to probably say things that are going to push the buttons of self-protecting mechanisms that you might have in place. And I'm going to put your excuses on trial. Because today, guys, we are looking at hospitality. Now, when I say hospitality, you know, sometimes we think about the person like Auntie Claire, who is just queen of hospitality. We think about hospitality, you go into Auntie Claire's home, and you know, man, there is going to be an awesome meal that she has taken probably days or hours to prepare. There's a home that's neat and clean and tidy, and then she's going to be so welcoming and full of energy and zeal and love on you. And then while you're sitting maybe speaking to her husband or other guests, she is in the kitchen washing up those dishes because she doesn't have a kitchen that looks like mine with plates and dishes all piled up. She's in there cleaning, tidying, making it. She is queen of hospitality. And it's easy for us to go, Auntie Claire is the winner of the hospitality section of Christianity, so we're going to give it to her. No, we are all called as Christians to be hospitable. And we can look at the Auntie Claire's of the world and we can go, man, I want to be like you, but it doesn't excuse us to not step up to the plate and deep deeply delve into this, this level of love that God wants us to release into the world. You know, there is an aspect of hospitality that we can think about that excludes us from bringing people into our homes. We can say, oh, well, I'm hospitable when I go to church on Sundays. I serve in the hospitality team. I greet people at the door. I give them a fist punch, and I take their temperature, and I smile, and I say, welcome to church. That is an aspect of hospitality, but what we are talking about today is the hospitality that invites people in to that sacred space, that place which is your sanctuary, that place which is your home. It's your place where you retreat from the world to just get away from everything that's going on. We're talking about hospitality that happens house to house. And I want you to pause for a moment and I want you to just quickly look around this room and I want you to ask yourself a question. Have I ever been in your house or 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 have you ever been in my house? Okay, you don't have to say the answer, but just look around the room quickly and just do a little self-evaluation. My friends, hospitality is crucial to being a disciple of Jesus. It is absolutely crucial. I'm talking about the warmth of love, that deep love that invites other people into your sacred space, that level of love where you are loving your neighbor as yourself, not externally outside of the walls of your home, but actually in your home, the hospitality that gathers around the table and shares a meal together and engages in conversation that goes beyond the superficial level but actually becomes deep and vulnerable and transparent with a deep care and a deep love for each other. Do you know that when you gather in somebody's home, you get to know them a lot better then when you just see them maybe at a coffee shop or in church on a Sunday, when you get into someone's home, you see how things operate. You see how they relate to their, their children, their spouse, their parents who might live on the property. You see how they relate to their pets and their neighbors. You see a whole lot more. You see love in action a lot of the time. Some of the times you see things that you're like, oh, brother, I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) But when we get around each other's homes and we get around meals, there really is a gateway that begins to open to the depths of our human soul. And we get to know each other far better and far on a far more real level. 
You, I'm sure you've heard the saying that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Anybody heard that? <laughs> well, I would go so far as to say that for whenever you share a meal with someone, no matter what their, their gender or their age category, that there is a way that having a meal around a table, it just disarms the human heart. There's just, there becomes a sense of eventually, because sometimes it can feel a little bit awkward in the beginning, but eventually there's a settling into, I see you, you see me. We're breaking bread together. We're sharing a meal. We start to talk. And there's a relational engagement that takes place. And um, Romans 12, verses 9 to 13, has a few points that I want just, um, to just highlight, where, where the writer's emphasizing how to engage relationally as Christians, not, not as the super hospitable kings and queens of hospitality, but just as Christians. The writer says that we must love. Love must be sincere. There must be a sincerity to our love. You know, if your encounters with people are not sincere, they're not coming from a place of love. If your encounters with people are not sincere, they're not coming from a place of love. And Jesus said that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So love needs to be sincere. goes on to say that we must be devoted to one another in love. We need to be honoring one another above ourselves. As we engage each other as, as, a, as a church community, as friends, as, as people who know each other, do we, would we be able to say that we are devoted to one another in love? Or are we just amicable? And pleasant and kind? Or are we devoted to one another in love? And do we honor each other above ourselves? Taking us straight back to what Jesus said about when you, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then it goes on to say, to say, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. So each and every single one of us in this room, online, as we do a little self-critique throughout the sermon, we need to be asking ourselves, do I love my neighbor as myself? Am I devoted to the people around me? Am I sincere in my love towards them? Am I honoring them above myself? You know, the hospitality that's referred to in this passage of Scripture, it's, it's actually a really challenging hospitality because it's not talking about a hospitality that just refers to one's friends and family, the ones that we feel comfortable with, the ones that we, we feel, well, you know what, they're not going to judge me because I have marks on my couch and I can just put a throw over it. They're not going to criticize my cooking, or if they do, it's in a joking manner, or I'm going to say to them, well, next time you cook. Or, you know what I'm saying? That, that sense of like friends and family, it's a safe space. No, this hospitality is talking about a hospitality that would entertain even strangers. It's a hospitality that, that is inviting people who are possibly different to you into your personal space where you might feel like, are they going to understand my cultural practices? Are they going to think that the way I do things is not um, the same way that they do or they, they're better than I am? It starts to push those buttons of insecurity. It pushes our buttons of pride. And actually, it's a good space to be in because if you're wise, you will dig deep into the grace of the Holy Spirit to entertain and be hospitable to people who are these strangers, different to us. And I've referred to this kind of hospitality as spirit-empowered hospitality. Because I don't know if you've ever invited someone in who's not family or friend, somebody who's different, someone who maybe pushes those buttons of insecurity, or you're not sure how they're going to react, or you see the way they look at something in your home, and you're like, oh, they think I'm so gross. <laughs> You need to be spiritually empowered where there is this overwhelming sense of love that covers a multitude of sin, where there is a sense of like, I'm going to love you like, like, 
like the best that I can, God loving me through you. God loving me, God loving you through me. That was a bit backward, hey? There's a, a sense of spirit-empowered hospitality that, that we have to tap into if we're going to embrace this call to be ones who would be hospitable even to strangers. Is there anybody in this room who can relate to what I'm saying? Has anybody who's ever hosted somebody and, and it kind of hasn't gone as well or there's been some awkwardness and you kind of thought, hey, I ain't doing that again. I'm, I'm pulling out. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you a little story. So when Wayne and I first got married and we were working on the Westville campus, oh, he got nervous. What, what are you nervous about, love? <laughs> when we first got married, um, we were working on the Westville campus and I decided to host a sleepover for the for some of the girls on campus. So I, my, my, my new husband was very gracious. He went and crashed on someone's couch. And I opened up our little flat to host 10 or more young students from campus. Now, I have to admit, guys, I wasn't as savvy as I am now with cross-cultural differences and etiquettes and mannerisms. I mean, now I'm like, I could probably hang out with just about any person from any culture, and it would be like water off a duck's back. But this was new, okay? This was, we're going back like nearly 18 years, 17 years. And, um, and I remember having all these young African girls come into my home. And I have never been a minority at a sleepover before. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was the minority. <laughs> and this was my home and there were girls everywhere who were very different to me. And that night, I learned a lot of things. <laughs> I learned about different sleepwear. I learned about ducks. I learned about satin bonnets to keep your hair moisture in. I learned that there are different ways to eat food. I learned that some foods that I value get left on the plate and not eaten, even though they're really expensive. <laughs> I had a real experience. But the one that takes the cake for me was whenever I would go to a sleepover before, like when I was growing up and stuff, we generally arrived already showered, in our jammies, ready for the sleepover. <laughs> Pre-sleepover pre bath time is part and parcel of a sleepover. This is what I learned. And I had all these girls in my bathroom bathing together and, and, and products and, and, and washing things and like, I was like, I did not budget for that use of water. <laughs> we were newly married. <laughs> and that is a lot of water. <laughs> I had very wide eyes. But it was beautiful because I was challenged. And... My, my prejudices and my way of doing things and my, my, me, my, my things, my way was all challenged. And I learned and I grew and I matured. And the Holy Spirit did a work. And you know what? It came at a cost to have those girls over. But the kingdom also came. Because friendships were established, walls were broken down, people were loved. You know, I see some of those girls now, they're grown women running their, their own families and households. We see each other, there's such a depth of love, we will literally burst into tears and embrace each other and hug each other. But there, had to, there was an awkwardness at one stage of that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hospitality that entertains even strangers. Wayne and I have always had an open house heartbeat, and I, and I think our parents set us up for that in a big way because we saw the model hospitality, even when it cost them economically. But 
the heartbeat of God also stays consistent in his disciples. So whether you have, I remember times when we were newly married, that example I just shared, I remember times when we had a small home with babies, we were hospitable. I remember when we had a big home and, and children and dogs and, and birds and snakes and great grannies recovering from, you know, surgery. Still, the home is open. I, even now with, with our home, which is more of a, a medium-sized house and teenagers who just throw themselves on our couch and, and eat our food, lots of food. <laughs> the heart, no, it doesn't matter what phase of life you're in or what challenges you face economically. The heartbeat of a disciple is to be hospitable and to allow the Spirit of God to empower you through wherever you are, whatever phase you find yourself in, to be one who will love your neighbor as yourself. I know, I know that our homes are sacred. I know that our homes are that place where we need to rest. We need to retreat from the world. We've had hard days at work. We've been on the battlefront of, of, the, of the workplace and, and of the school front. And, and our home is this place. It's our safe space. And I get that. And it is. It's, it's a gift that God's given us. Home, family. It's, it's precious. But let us remember that our homes are Gifts that God has given us to steward. Everything belongs to the Lord. So our homes are there for us to steward and to enjoy. And one thing I know about God the Father, He really likes it when His kids share what He's given them to steward. He really likes it when He sees His kids stewarding and sharing the things that he has given to them, it makes them happy. When you see your child sharing a toy that you have bought them with another person, another child, you're like, good on you. Well done. That's not just bringing you pleasure. It's bringing your friend and you're playing together nicely. That's what Christian hospitality is like. It's, it's playing together nicely in the space of your own home. That being said, there is wisdom in knowing when to swing wide the front gate and when to close the front gate so that there is time for, you know, nuclear family nurture. And there's wisdom in that. But to camp in either of those two extremes is not good. So you've got to be operating in that place of wisdom. And often that's where the people who live with you can help you with that. I know there's been so many times when Wayne and I have had to stretch each other to open up our home. Or we've had to protect each other and say, listen, I just know that this is a time where we have to say no. We can't let somebody in for this, this, this time. 1 Peter 4 verses 8 to 9 says, above all. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Yo, it couldn't be more plain, guys. Above all, love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. How deep is that love running, my friends? Okay, it's time to get in the hot seat. Are you ready to get into the hot seat? Because as a, as a community, we are not just... Oh, is it not, it's it's going to get hotter, Langa. What do you mean? <laughs> We're not just people who are going to hear the word and not allow the Spirit of God to challenge us, transform us, change us, and make us doers of the word. Okay, we're going to get in. We're going to embrace the hot seat of Scripture. Okay, so... On the basis of this scripture, 1 Peter 4 verse 8, above all, love each other deeply, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let me ask you this question. Who has been sitting around your table lately? Who has been invited into your personal home space? And I know there are many in this room who are exceptional at this. I mean, I was just having a chat with someone, and she was relating how she asked a friend if she could go and 
crash at her place and how when she arrived there, her friend already had another friend crashing with her and the room was super, super tiny, but they made a plan and they just all moshed into the small place so that they could be together and they had some good time. I'm sure they had beautiful satin bonnets as well. I need to get me a satin bonnet. That's all I'm saying. I've got to fit in, babe. I need a satin bonnet. (laughs) Have you ever invited your connect group leader over to your home just to show gratitude for the time and effort they put in to helping you grow in your faith? How deep does your love run? When was the last time you invited your child's school friends to come over and just hang out at your place, even though you know they're going to eat your food and leave the cups dirty? Have you ever thought about contacting your area leader and offering to host some kind of gathering for the people in your area? How deep does your love run? Look, we can all probably relate to feeling like we don't have enough time, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough energy, but to practice hospitality is the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I can testify that provision follows obedience. Provision follows obedience. Sometimes you open up your home and you're tired and you don't feel like it and you come out of there energized, having actually felt like, whoa, that was awesome. I'm so glad I did that. Sometimes you share a meal with somebody and you feel, how are we going to get through the rest of the month? And before you know it, you have more than enough just coming in from other places. I was preparing this message and and I was thinking, well, how do we follow this command of being ones who can love our neighbor as ourselves? I mean, it really is a big ask. It's a really big ask to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, you can love your neighbor to a degree. You can take care of people to a degree. But to do it as you do it unto yourself, that's a big ask. I mean, is it even possible? And then I was thinking about how Jesus said that that was the second greatest commandment. He said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And I began to think about that, and I thought, you know what? As we love God, which in fact is a response of his love towards us, as we begin to love him, responding to his love, And we love him with everything. We love him with the way we think. We love him with the way we act. We love him with our strength. We love him with with our minds. We love him with every part, everything that makes us up. Everything that is within us begins to love God and align with God, align with the Godhead. Do you know what begins to happen? There's a natural overflow. There's a natural overflow that begins to happen because you can't contain the love of God towards you, love towards God's cycle. It naturally cascades over into the lives of people around you. It naturally begins to overflow where it's not even an effort. You're not even thinking, okay, this is my neighbor. I have to love you like I'm going to love myself. It's just this wellspring of an a great, deep love that wants to invite people into the goodness of God. It's, a, it's this incredible, unending spring of wealth and generosity and passion for others. And it's all connected to that alignment that comes when you are loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And we see it in Jesus. I mean, he's the one who walked in that perfect alignment. And as a result, there was always provision. There was always love for somebody else. There was always energy for somebody else. There was always, always, always just a natural outworking of loving those around him the way he loved himself because his love tank never ran empty. His love tank was always full because he was staying in sync with loving the Lord with all of his heart 
with all of his mind, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength. So if you find it a challenge to love your neighbor as yourself, perhaps go back to that first commandment and be like, am I loving the Lord my God with everything that is within me, every part of me? And then the second greatest commandment becomes as natural as breathing. It just happens. Okay, so maybe you're sitting here and you're like, okay, I get it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my realignment with God. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm on board. But you know what, Trish? There's been times when I have opened my home and I have been hospitable and it hasn't gone too well. Fear not. I have some solutions. Okay? I spoke to a number of people in this congregation and I said, what have been your experiences of hosting other people? And I have come up with a top 10 list of how we can each be good guests in each other's homes. Because if we're all good guests, then more people are going to want to host because the experience they had when they had us coming over was so pleasurable. Does that make sense? That's logical. Okay, so you want to hear the top 10? Yeah? Okay. It's not rocket science, but it's good to just refresh our memories. Number one, express gratitude. Appreciation goes a long way. You know, your host has put time, effort, and energy into having you over, so just express gratitude. Find something to say thank you for. Find something to say I appreciate this about what you've done or or something to that effect. Express gratitude. It really goes a long way. Number two, offer to bring something. Now, I know we all come from different cultural backgrounds, and sometimes we have a perception that if I'm being invited to someone's home, they're going to provide everything. But we all actually understand the economic situation that we're in as a community. And if we just offer to bring something, sometimes that can just ease the load. You know, it can just take the, take the edge off a little bit. Number three, offer to help out. Helping hands make for happy hosts. You know, don't just sit on the couch and wait to be tended to. It's sometimes all you have to do is say, hey, is there anything that I can do to help? Is there anything? And they might just say, no, I just want you to sit and relax and rest, but don't come with an entitlement mentality. Offer to help out. Number five, oh, number four, be kind, particularly to spouses, children, and pets. Be kind. If you're going into somebody else's home, be kind. They might have a really grumpy spouse. Be kind. <laughs> they might have children that rummage through your handbag. Be kind. They might have dogs that you are swatting away. <laughs> Do it kindly. <laughs> Number five, don't be judgmental if you would host differently or you don't like the food. When in doubt, Practice point number one again, express gratitude. Number six, help make conversation. Sometimes having someone that you're not familiar with into your home can make you feel a bit awkward. Your brain shuts down. You're thinking about the food and everything, and, and then you kind of don't know what to say. Why don't you, as the, as the guest, actually be one who would make conversation, make pass compliments about their home or ask them questions. Try and make the environment more comfortable. Number seven, if you are staying over, respect your host's privacy. No barging into that bedroom. (laughs) Number eight, if you're staying over, use your own toiletries unless theirs are offered to you. That wasn't my one. That one actually came from somebody in the congregation. So, number nine, don't overstep your boundaries or overstay your welcome. Always check in with your host. Hey, is it okay if I stay another day, another week, another month, another... (laughs) We once had somebody who needed to stay just for a short period of time and it ended up being a year. And I don't say that with a grimace because that person in my home was such a blessing. That person in my home was such a delight. But what intended to be just a short period of time ended being nearly a year. But at the end of the day, I love that person even more than I loved them when they first came to stay. 
Number 10, I thought this one was priceless. Take it, use it, lose it, I don't know. But uh, it came to my attention that some people say, no undies in the laundry, please, if you are staying over. <laughs> if we are... <laughs> Everyone deals with laundry differently, just respect your hosts, Okay. When we are pleasant guests, we will make it more pleasurable for people to host us. And we will leave a good taste in people's mouths that, yes, I love having people over because I've had all these great experiences of people that I've hosted. My friends, last year we had the comfort of our church building taken from us due to the COVID restrictions. We weren't able to gather together and to worship corporately, which is so beautiful. How amazing was it to worship together this morning again? We had that withheld from us. You know, fortunately, we were able to get an online platform happening. Fortunately, we were able to take care of each other in that time when people lost loved ones and when people no longer had work available to them. We were able to take care of us. And I think as a community, we did, we did really well. But I want to ask a question. Has COVID left many of us afraid to open up our homes again? Has it fostered an isolation habit or a self-preservation culture? Is there some kind of residue from this COVID experience that has got us on the back foot when it comes to hospitality. Love is always on the front foot. Love is never on the back foot. Love is on the front foot. What if, God forbid, circumstances arose sometime in the future that put us back into some kind of lockdown scenario? And what if... Our technology was cut. Would we, as a community, be strong, be able to take care of each other because we had such a wellspring of house-to-house discipleship? We knew where each other lived. We knew what our food preferences were and how we could take care of each other when we were going through hard times. Would we even know if anybody was missing or not taken care of, if the house-to-house hospitality was a strong discipleship culture in our midst, everybody would be taken care of. And not only everybody in the space, but there would be an invitational environment where we'd all be inviting the lonely, the stranger, the distant, the disconnected into our home spaces as well. You know, we can be a people who prays for revival. We can be a people who desiring that, that the new wine of God would be poured out, that there would be the power of the Holy Spirit. But if in our minds we keep that confined only to a corporate setting, we could miss out on the power and the beauty of that happening house to house, day to day. You know, in the book of Acts, we see an incredible move of the Spirit of God. We see the disciples devoted to each other. We see the Holy Spirit shaking things up. We see people experiencing teaching and fellowship and and breaking bread, both in a corporate setting and house to house. And my friends, I am seriously prophetically stirred that this house to house space is a beautiful wineskin for the wine that God wants to pour out into us as the body of Christ. I know that sometimes we have been with the Tlaminis and we have worshipped just as our two families and the power and the presence of God has been beautiful, strong, incredible. Just being house to house, just doing life in community, just embracing loving your neighbor as yourself, opening up our homes, discussing the word, sharing a meal together, getting to know each other. So if you are a connect group and you meet outside of the home, why don't you just have one connect group where you meet in your home? 
if you are coaching someone through the BFC or the CMC, why don't you just have one of those coach sessions in your home? If you are reaching out to your just ones, why don't you just have one of those encounters over a cup of coffee in your home? And if you are concerned for COVID reasons, I want to ask you this. Are you not able to practice strict protocol in your own home more stringently than you can in a public setting? I think that if we would embrace this concept, this invitation into discipleship home to home, we would realize that love covers not only a multitude of sin or a multitude of dysfunction or a multitude of awkwardness, but love can also overcome a multitude of disease. We've been talking about being a community that is faithful and fruitful. And I want to challenge us as we allow God to love us and as we respond to him in love and as we begin to love him more and more with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and that cascades over and we begin to love our neighbor as ourselves, we begin to open up our homes and we begin to be those good guests who are, who are just creating that space where you just want to have another guest over because it was so cool when you had that guest come. As we embrace that, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Strangers, acquaintances, friends, they're all going to become like family. And that's the kingdom. The kingdom is a family of believers with one heavenly father. And when we do that, guys, there is such a beauty. There is such a love. There's such an authenticity. There's such a genuine care for each other. And the rest of the world can only but go, I want that. I want to, who raised you? Well, my heavenly father raised me, actually. Who's this heavenly father? Well, he's God Almighty, creator of all things. It all reflects back to his glory. When our children are respectful and honorable and trustworthy, it's a good reflection on you as a parent. So when we are, as God's children, hospitable, kind, loving, generous, it's a good reflection of him. Anybody want to respond to this today? Anybody want to be like, you know what? I'm up for this. I'm up for being someone who's going to rise up and, and open up myself and my home a little bit more than what I'm currently doing. And if that's you, I want you to rise to your feet and I'm going to pray for everybody. But I know that each and every one of us can definitely stand to our feet and say, you know what, God, I can give more. I can open more. I want to overcome my fear. I want to, I want to break down the barriers that are, are keeping me from, from engaging in this this discipleship, this house-to-house space. Father, as we come before you today, you see each one of us. You see us. You see our hearts. You see our desire to respond to your invitation to being children who bring you much glory. Lord, you know each and every person around this room or at home who is, is in, a, in a fear disposition, who has had bad experiences with hospitality before, who has insecurities, who maybe even just feels a real sense of lack financially or overwhelmed with life and, and how demanding life is and don't, doesn't feel like they have space for other people. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you invite us into spirit-empowered hospitality. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and minister to each and every one of our hearts. 
for those of us who have stood up and said, yes, I'm, I'm making a stand. I, I want to I grow in this area. Father, I pray that you would lavishly pour your love over your sons and your daughters right now so that that connection of love from heaven to earth, from father to child, would create an overwhelming sense of, I want to love you with more of my heart. I want to love you with all of my soul. I want to love you with all of my strength. I want to love you with all of my mind. And Lord, I thank you that that would just exponentially cascade over into the lives of the men and women around your sons and daughters. And I thank you, Father, that loving our neighbor as ourselves will be a natural just way in which we live because there's just an overflow. There is such a saturation of a love relationship with you that we can't help ourselves but love those around us. Father, for those who are afraid because of COVID, I pray you break that spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. For those who've been hit economically, I pray that you would show them that obedience is the catalyst for provision to follow. Father, I pray for those who have had horrible experiences when they have opened their home or they have hosted, I pray that you would replace that with just amazing memories of the good people who've come through their homes and shared meals with them or the homes that they've been in and that they've shared meals with others. You know each and every one of our situations. Father, I pray that you would protect us from isolation. I pray that you would protect us from unhealthy mechanisms that have caused us to disconnect from each other. I pray for anybody who's watching online who even feels too afraid to come to church on a Sunday. I pray, Lord, that you would bring us into that space where we would encounter the power, the strength, and the beauty of fellowship. And I release your blessing over your sons and your daughters this morning. And I empower them to prosper, that everything they put their hands to will prosper. I release over them the goodness of God, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to rise up and be the sons and daughters you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, guys. Hope you have a beautiful Sunday and a wonderful week ahead. Please feel free to chat to each other outside um, in the car park. And we'll see you next Sunday for the... Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.enderban.org to get our bank details and zapper code.